Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We waited 18 months from the Washington football team to decide and announce their new nickname. Outkick 360 rolls on in hour number three. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, on podcast. Just search out Outkick 360. The Washington Commanders, the new logo and uh, new jersey combination nickname, all announced today, earlier this morning, uh, by the, the Washington football team. It is now Washington Commanders. Guys, I don't hate it. And uh, far from it, I actually think they got a lot right. I don't think, I, I think it's very difficult to get everyone's support on every minute detail of this, but they, they could have done a lot worse based on the list I saw. And admirals and commanders, I think, fit the branding of where they are and, you know, the league they're in more so than some of the other options that were thrown out there they they could have made a worse decision oh sure. i'm i'm on record i was always a red hogs guy uh, I, I liked it keeping the red in it and going back to the glory days of the great offensive lines for washington with the hogs um i thought that would have been just goofy enough but also interesting with what you could do with fans with that but commanders is definitely not the worst of the options i would put that probably second uh, for me here's the deal with the with the announcement the nickname is fine. The logo is fine. I think good job with the logo. Are we the talking just the W shield, logo? I'm talking both. The, the W logo and the secondary shield. I think the shield both. is cool. Shield is really good. The logo is fine. All of them put together, not good. The, I thought the uniforms were terrible. When you put the whole, everything in the recipe and put it there where I saw the uniforms, I thought they looked bad. The uniforms are what uniforms are today. Like, I'm not a very good artist. I'm not an artist at all. But if I had any artistic talent and you told me to draw up what I imagined a new uniform in burgundy and gold would look like from NFL Properties Touch, that's what it would have been. That, that, well, see, I'm always – this is all according to your own taste. I'm always 90% of the time going to side with the classic old-school look that just plays everywhere well. And I honestly thought they were closer to that with the Washington football team look with what they had than what they're doing with this. Anything that's futuristic or attempting to be futuristic looking, an example is the white uniform they have where the numbers are, I don't even know if it's tricolored, maybe quad-colored, like four different colors on the number of the white uniform, I think looks atrocious. Not a fan. And the, the process is just... It takes way too long, but I also think they went as fast as they could, believe it or not. And reading up on this process, like, so you have to go through all the trademarks and, and everything that's filed. And it's not just with the U.S. 
you can file underneath a you know a you can file underneath a different business and trademark commanders or presidents or whatever it might be admirals you name it and you can do that in a complete like a, over a, what 100 countries you can do this from and file and then everything's kept private and anonymous until someone else tries to file for that and then you realize you don't own it it's exactly what has happened with the Cleveland Guardians where they the the Cleveland Indians flipped to the Cleveland Guardians and there's like a roller derby team yeah, or something roller derby that was filed over in like Turks and Caicos or somewhere that's where it, it's housed the, the the trademark and it's legally binding here so they split the they split the difference somehow with that both get to use it and own it but I'm sure they went through a couple of options and just ultimately could not come to any deciding factor. The league does not like to go to battle with other other teams that have the same name or the same phrasing or the same look. They I don't watched, like doing that. I watched some of the ceremony, not live, but but after the fact. <clears throat> that was a traditional Washington Commanders, if you will, event. They had the uniforms on on mannequins. The other people were standing close to each other. It wasn't a social distancing thing. And, and the video has guys in the uniforms, so it wasn't a secrecy thing. I don't understand why in the world they wouldn't have had their people. I mean, you think of what the Titans did for a uniform unveiling here in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a uh, it was an event that got the Titans solidified for the Titans. The draft in Nashville, it was such a big event. Now, I understand Landover, Maryland, or, or you know, they could have done something that was somewhat of an event. This, to me, I didn't see any kind of 30,000-foot view or anything. But, Hutton, you remember, I'm sure, and, Chad, maybe you do too, when the, when the Titans unveiled their initial uniforms, it was in the parking lot yeah. of, of the stadium. And it was a minor league event. This looked like that. And to it was me. Li- wasn't it live on the Today Show or something? Um, I don't know. They or were charging people to go to it, which was a big issue I had with it. Also, it was ten dollars a ticket. I got my cousin lives in D.C. and was saying they're advertising ten dollars to get in to watch it. And the video was very well done. And the video had Chase Young and right. and Jonathan Allen. So why not and have stars them on, on the stage? team? Uh, that were mannequins. modeling it, and then they get to the actual event, and those guys weren't there. I'm also still cracking up about two things that are very dysfunctional organization things. Daniel Snyder was on stage, by the way. It's the first time well, seen him in forever. The 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 Joe Theismann part of this, where he botched he was it on in stage. an interview. Well, he was in the video, so of course he knew. He's got the commander's jersey on in the video they unveiled. So completely, botched. not just like a small slip up. He started describing the commander's name. You know, commanders make sense because there's a lot of commanders in D.C., so I really think this, it wasn't just a slip of the tongue. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. He continued to describe why they gave it the nickname of the commanders and then total fail. Then reverted when the Washington Post, no, no, I don't know. I'll find out with everyone else. And the other thing is, I don't know if you guys saw this, speaking of 30,000-foot view, someone had a helicopter that zoomed in inside the stadium last night and plain as day, you could see a huge Commander's logo inside the stadium lit up in a concourse where everybody, well, I guess we know officially the name of the team now and what they're going it's with. It's tough to keep secrets, but 
those are two ways that are, aren't hard. Have, have a guy who knows not talk about it in an interview and put a tarp over the stadium decorations. It's actually like it's a very um, it's a pressure packed decision to come up with the logo and the oh hell yeah! I mean, what you're asking your your fan base to do is to change the tattoo on their body. I mean that that's ultimately what you're trying to figure out is how do we take the old Redskins logo and make that fan want to get this and and actually sell them on it. Because they're diehard Hogs fans, like they they're all in. That's why you go Red Hogs with Washington. You. But I you think know red what? In the name uh, and you the know Hogs what makes it a route. great nickname? Great football. People will love this name if if they come out next year and win ten games. It's a great name. No, they won't love it. Yes, they'll love the team. They're not going to love the name. It helps a lot. Well, there are a lot of people who rooted that team on through a lot of lean years that kept going to games and kept being Redskins fans back in the day. And they didn't care about, they cared, they wanted to win. But my point is, it, 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 it's a, you cannot win in this situation. It's, it's just, when you're forced to change difficult. your name. But be a functional I, organization I, is a good place yeah, to start. Yeah, I somewhat, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Guardians transition, and Washington Redskins to Washington Commanders for this simple reason. There's no good way to do it. When you've been around as long as these organizations, and you have generational fans, I'm not talking about a team moving here in 1999. These are generational organizations that great-grandfathers rooted on this team and pass it down generation to generation. It's impossible to come up with a new name that's going to satisfy people or make it any better that you had to change the name. It's just it's tough to win. So all of that out there, I think they did a pretty good job with commanders. It, it could have been a lot worse. But it's never going to satisfy people. And, and sometimes the simple decision can actually be the correct okay. one. Okay. Yeah. Um, like Devil Rays, they just went to Rays. Originally, they, Tampa Bay did not want to use Devil Rays, Rays, nothing. They they actually tried to file for a different name, and someone else had the rights to it, and they they were losing. They were going through this process that Washington just went through, trying to find the right fit and the right rebrand, and ultimately they changed the font. They updated the style of their uniform. They got rid of that Devil Ray, uh, the actual Devil Man. Ray on their hat, and they just went by Ray's in the block letters. And it worked. I mean, the rebrand worked, but to what Paul's saying, it also helped that they ended up getting good. That, they beat the Yankees. That following season, they went to the World Series or something when they went through the rebrand. So uh, that certainly helped too. But they, they're far better now just by sticking with the original team name, right? And it, it worked for them. Meanwhile, the Guardians, like, Unless you're from the city, you don't know the. It's tie too in. inside, and it's even that insiders. doesn't come across as I, something. That I'm going to have a real hard long. time not just saying Cleveland or Washington when describing well, those teams for a while. But the, I, I feel like with the Commanders, there was actually some thought put into it, and with with Cleveland, it felt very rushed. Like the whole, it's just a block letter G, you know, for Guardians, and then it's tying in the. Statues on the bridge. Kept the same font. The gargoyles, right? It's yeah. like a guardian yeah. that's a gargoyle yeah, same on the font, bridge. Everything. Um, uh, the thing to do is, uh, you know, what I'm thinking of while we're talking about this is the Kraken. And, you know, yeah, that's a good that, example. The Kraken is a phenomenal start to finish, but they were starting from zero. Yep. So starting they're the model zero. for starting from zero. If, the they, were, if, the if they were forced to change their name at some point, I think we would probably think less of the Kraken just because there was institutional knowledge of a different Seattle hockey team when it's brand new we love it 
The well, crack also, in the uniform, the look, everything was perfect. So they were right. they were in this article that the Washington Post did where they went through all these teams, uh, franchises that had recently either created or changed their name and what the process was like and why 18 months was significant. If it felt If it felt long, did it actually end up being shorter than some of the other process? And uh, that one of the the marketing gurus for the Seattle Kraken said that they went through hundreds in all these trademarks and all all of this copyright stuff, and and ultimately they came across a name that was not claimed. And once you do that, then you have to figure out, okay, how do we file for the trademark and keep it a secret? And somehow they did through all of it. The Golden Knights, I think, and Vegas is another good example. The Golden Knights and the color scheme. It's pretty damn good. It fits that team and the vibe that you, it, it feels almost like a subset of the Raiders. So they they had way. problems. They had problems with Army, right? They had to ultimately yeah. change their, uh, the, change the logo that's right. some because there was overlap. It's a lot more complicated than we give it credit for when all, all most fans want to do is look at it and like it. So I, I have a question. Um, so this shield logo that looks way too much like a, a soccer crest to me. Uh, oh, it I, does. I don't like it. I hate it. Has there been Should any like explanation that, that goes into it and why it possibly has something that looks a lot like the Tennessee TriStar on it? Well, I think that's the three stars of the military. I, I saw someone tweet, uh, putting that in our YouTube chat. There's more than they three stole branches the Tennessee of the military. TriStar. Well, I think it's what's stationed there at the Pentagon. The Coast Guard doesn't get any credit. They never do. Yeah. I think it's right there at the Pentagon is what they're uh, – is what they're referencing. Maybe I'm becoming an old man, but I like the Shield logo because no, it looks old. Terrible. It looks old to me. It, like it, it looks look like old. it comes out of Microsoft Paint in 1992. It's also a very Can you similar. Tweet that out from it's us? a very similar uh, crest to what Baltimore's doing right down the road from you. Yeah, like the Ravens helmet logo. Well, and there's just the state flag of Maryland is a big part of it. Yeah. I know with their the their crest. Part. Very multicolored. Which I don't mind either. I, I like it it's because it's, it's distinct. I'm supposed Look, to- I, I think a lot of people are going to crap all over the Washington Commanders just because you're looking for something not to like. All things considered, I, I, I'm just looking at going, with what, that, with what that franchise is, what they've been in the headlines for over the last three, four, five years, this could have been a lot worse. It's three syllables This could have been long. a lot worse. I'm just trying to think. Guardians is – I'm just thinking – I mean, it seems it pretty long? standard for a team nickname. Well, every every option was like three syllables, though. Yeah. Admiral, president. You know what it wasn't? Red Hogs. Predators is three. I think they did a nice job with it. Uh, they could have done better, but they, it all things considered, and for it's for a dysfunctional fine. organization to have done that well, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, I, I expected a bleep show. Daniel Snyder like made the it back to the stadium. Was. Back in the stadium for the first time in over a year. He was certainly outside the stadium at the thing I saw. He looks disheveled. But? But happy? I don't, I don't care. Still the owner. I don't care if he's happy. Boys, Lane Kiffin has spoken. Uh, we, we've, and, and every coach around Lane Kiffin, of, of, of which he was talking about, has spoken also. we got to get into this. Kiffin and? Jimbo Fisher has fired back. Lane, uh, Nick Saban has fired back. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has referred to Kiffin as a clown act. And his program uh, didn't flat out say it, but said, I'm tired of getting called out by clown acts that want to say things. Uh, there's some, there's some off season SEC football going on right now. There's two sides to this. Some coaches like Jimbo fill the, 
there's a threatening going on here, right? They feel threatened a bit with Lane Kiffin being the guy who's saying this stuff. And there's also something about Kiffin that I wish Saban and Jimbo would just flat out say. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. There's a divide among coaches regarding name, image, and likeness. Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. You can divide the winnings, though, at FanDuel.com slash OK360. With the big game coming up, you can bet $5 on the Rams or the Bengals to win the Super Bowl and you get back $280. That's a 56-to-1 payout at FanDuel.com. You can have a friend sign up. You can do this as well. You split the bet. So you take one of you takes the Rams, the other takes the Bengals. This is a guaranteed win, and then you split the profit. FanDuel.com slash OK360 to learn more. 56-to-1 payout. You bet five on the Rams or Bengals to win Super Bowl 56. It's got to be your first bet when you sign up at FanDuel.com. Nice. It's great. So Lane Kiffin started this yesterday, okay? And this is three parts to this with three different coaches. So I want to get to all three parts. Lane Kiffin said yesterday, for whatever reason, he had his signing day press conference on Tuesday when signing day was today. Probably because they didn't sign anyone. <laughs> it was a very bad <laughs> recruiting hall for Lane Kiffin. I don't think they were adding anyone today, so he went ahead and got out of the way. But in this press conference, Lane Kiffin spells out a problem that Ole Miss has. He says that these other schools just have way more resources than Ole Miss, and they're paying five to ten times as much for players in NIL. Explicitly saying they're getting players to come to their school with a promise of money, which is illegal under NCAA rules. NIL is legal, but enticing someone with cash or money and advertising money to sign with you is against the rules, technically. We know it's probably going on. So Lane Kiffin says this, and he, makes the, he gives the illustration of, imagine if in the NFL there were three teams that paid five or ten times more than the other 29 teams. How do you think that would go for those three teams every single year? Um, and said, uh, joke that Texas A&M, specifically mentioned them, should be paying a luxury tax based on what they're paying incoming recruits. So you could take this as whining from Kiffin after a bad recruiting class, 
and maybe there's a little bit of that to it because he's the one true whistleblower right now. But he's also not wrong. I mean, no, there, there it, are winners and wrong. losers in NIL. Ohio State's paying more than anyone else right now with, with uh, sponsorship for their players. And look, Ohio State athletes with their reach and their alumni base and their fans should make a good amount of money in NIL with this. So it's not surprising. So Lane Kiffin says that. Again, I think what he's saying is right. Nick Saban comes back earlier today talking about NIL, and he had this to say. When we start using name, image, and likeness for a kid to come to our school, that's where I draw the line. That's not why we did this. I hear these crazy people on TV who say, now you're doing it above board. We never did it. We never did it. We never cheated to get a player. We never paid players to come to our school. And now that's, that's actually happening. People are making deals with high school players to go to their school. Again, this is Saban saying it, saying we're not doing it, but saying that it's happening. It's great that the players have the freedom to do what they can do, but I also don't think we should create circumstances where they don't have the, to make the commitment and see things through before they get paid in advertising dollars for a specific school. Now, part three of this, Jimbo Fisher has his press conference today at Texas A&M. He goes on a minute and 48-second rant when asked about NIL and what Texas A&M is doing. And the gist of it is, this is disrespectful to our staff and our coaches who are working so hard in recruiting. And that we're not doing it, and I'm tired of, quote, clown acts, and he's talking about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, clown act programs coming after us for us. And if some media member has proof of it, or some media member wants to talk about it, they know where to come find me. Type threat from, from Jimbo Fisher. Now, going back to the initial Lane Kiffin comment, I believe he's 100% accurate in what he's saying. I, I firmly believe that Texas A&M has figured out a way better than the other schools, and you can be mad about that. You can say it's unfair. You can say whatever you want. They're doing it better than everyone else. I saw Billy Lucci, our buddy in, in College Station that covers A&M, say, so, so let me get this right. A player from Houston, a five-star player, signs with LSU, and that's okay. But when a player from Louisiana signs at Texas A&M and is a five-star, then A&M is paying them. The answer to that is both. Both are probably happening. The player from Houston got a great NIL deal to go to LSU as part of it, the five-star. And then the player from Louisiana got a really good deal to go to A&M. It's really not that hard to connect the dots on this. So he made, Kiffin has made some really great points that could take up a three-hour discussion, honestly. Because what we are seeing in college football at the very top, there's never been a greater divide than what we're in right now. From, from 2000, or excuse me, from 1998 to 2013, 15 different teams played for the national title. But since 2013, you can almost count on one hand. Alabama, Oregon, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and LSU. Those are the teams that have played for the national title. And, you know, where, where we're headed in this, where the sport is going, college football is, you know, it's already the have and the have-nots. And, you know, Saban saying that we never cheated, well, you could say whatever, whatever you want about what Jimbo Fisher's doing. The fact of the matter is the NCAA is allowing it because they're not policing it. What Texas A&M is doing is saying, okay, 
where it's a free for all. There are some quote unquote guidelines in here where we can't pay for play. But if we do, who's stopping us? Who's going to penalize us? The NCAA, who doesn't have the balls to step up and regulate it anyway? No. The NCAA is powerless in this. And Texas A&M realizes it. And guess who else realizes it? Lane Kiffin. And the NCAA is powerless for what reason? One, they sucked at their job for years. Two, because NCAA institutions want it that way. They want to eliminate their power because they've been so bad at their job. So let's get to solution time. Solution time is what Kirby Smart talked about before the national championship game and others have talked about. Find a regulatory body that you agree on that is a college football commissioner-run organization and police it the same way you would a salary cap. I'm not saying you can cap it legally. I'm saying there has to be policing of what happens in the recruiting process, same as the NCAA. But But you have to come up with a solution on your own because the NCAA has no power because we don't want the NCAA to have power, and that's why they're not doing anything. So, And there are unintended consequences. We knew it whenever this was released and announced, and Kiffin's pointing that out. And I, again, I think he made some great points on I, what, I do he's, too. What, he's, what he's digging up here. But here's, here's what Jimbo Fisher and, and literally anybody else at the top can look down at Kiffin and say publicly. And if, you know, Jimbo may end up doing this. Who knows? But all he's got to do is pick up the sheet of paper and say, Lane, um, if you hate this so much, why are you going after LSU and Miami and Oregon? Why are you trying to leave Ole Miss? And the reason is he can do this at those programs. He can't do this at Ole Miss. Yeah, but I- and he's among the 75% of Power 5 programs that can't pull it off. So Kiffin's looking to join them. He's not looking for an even playing field. He wants to join the group of the haves. Well, he's allowed, That's what this is about. He's allowed to operate in the context of where he is now, knowing it's sure. he, he's going to struggle there. It'd be easier to be at those 25%, but right now I'm at the 75%, so I have to fight the fight of the and 75%. 75% may be low. Like yeah. I, I should have gone higher with that. But, I mean, right. if, if Kiffin's feeling this, imagine what you're, what you're thinking at Virginia Tech or Illinois or – you know, Missouri or some of these other programs. I mean, you go down the list, Iowa State, everybody, Washington State, Tennessee. I mean, but, I don't think Tennessee's playing to the level of A&M, Texas, Alabama, LSU. So that puts them as a second class in a second group in the SEC. They're not the bottom, but they're probably going to be in that, that second group we also. We haven't seen it play out yet, obviously. We need some time. But, but Texas has had trouble winning. Right, A and M hasn't hasn't uh, isn't on that list of teams that have been in the championship game. A and M's gonna have no trouble winning now. They just got the had. This is not an overstatement. It's the shot in the arm. This is the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting since they followed recruiting. No one has come close to the amount of five star players they just brought in. Not Georgia, not Alabama, not LSU, not Ohio State. No one. They will win. You talk. There is no way around it. If they keep seventy five percent. Of that class, they will win big. You talk about creating this oversight body, okay? In virtually everything in what's now, a, you know, the country of our age, mm-hmm. bureaucratic red tape has, is, suffocates us, right? In, in virtually every walk of life, you can find it, certainly governmentally. But the NCAA, it, it was that, okay? And this is a rare instance where the thing that's governed is actually able to 
step away and disempowered the thing that suffocated it because it's just the way it worked, right? In that regard, it's beautiful. The sport is able to walk away from the governing body that's strangling it with the red tape and all of that, take away its power. Now, it does need some sort of, as you're saying, some sort of body to govern this NIL in a fair way. Don't blow it. Create this thing smartly. It's going to turn bureaucratic. It's going to have holes. It's going to be imperfect. I think you kind of said there, Hutton. You have to create it right and don't let it spin out of control and make sure it's fine. Or in five years, it's on its way to being another NCAA and all we're doing is bitching about it, and all they're doing is bitching about it, and everybody's got a different reason why it's not serving them and this and that. So you need the absolute smartest people and the absolute smartest panel of coaches to to serve as the advisory panel and all of that, and you've got to get it right, or you're begging for another self-create, you're self-creating another problem. I don't think people realize how much money goes into a recruiting class. I think your average SEC recruiting class, if you're trying to legitimately land four and five stars, is going to cost you between 30 and 40 million in name, image, likeness deals to get them to sign. And that's not talking actual, about what the scholarships were. Actual, and it's not talking about no. what they're paying for travel and everything else Room they put and board into it. And um, tuition the, and well, I'm saying just the, the effort to get on planes and go recruit players oh, well, is okay. a huge cost. But what you can also offer, though, in, in yeah. uh, deals and, and marketing campaigns and everything else that you're going to do now that you were not having to do, and if you were doing it, it was so hush-hush under the table that people didn't realize how much money was being negotiated. I do like the but, gist of what Sambit's saying there. Get here and then get it. Don't, yeah. don't get it as a... As a it's not the bait on the but hook to get you here. Saban can literally say anything because he's going and he's grandfathered way. in with yeah. these rec- on the recruiting trails. But recruiting has never mattered less on the big stage of college football. These grand personalities and you know the Niedermeyers who are you know off and cheating and doing different things—they're meaningless now. Are more. they carrying a bag of money? And and yes, they are. They were before. But aside from that. Uh, with the bag of money that you're bringing, what are you producing in year two and year three and year four of the player being there? And if you don't pony up and get that deal going, guy's out the door immediately in playing the for the crosstown rival. Well, so Saban can be honest in what he's saying about we don't want to do that and we don't do that here. You know, we, we're going to tell them about, but what's the difference in that? And if you're the head coach going into a press conference at SEC Media Days and talking about, the seven-figure deal your star quarterback just signed in NIL. Right. You're going to mention that to every recruit you meet with. Yes. You, you wouldn't believe the amount of money our guys are signing with local businesses here. It is incredible when – now you get here and you contribute and you do what I say. But then it comes. And if you produce, you're going to get a windfall of money with all these local businesses. Of course Saban is saying that. So it's just really semantics. He's not, I believe Saban, he's not going to go to them and say, hey, we'll pay you $200,000 your freshman year to come here in NIL. But he's absolutely selling the Bama community's ability to pay advertising dollars in NIL. That's happening. And Jimbo Fisher, when he can get mad all he wants about people saying it. It's happening. He yeah. knows it's happening. He's getting all defensive about it. A&M fans are puffing their chest out, and that's my coach. You go get him, coach. He's doing it, and he's saying, 
this is the reality we live in right now. He's right, and he's mastering it at this point. And everyone else is just going to have to deal with it, but the hard part about just dealing with it is Lane Kiffin's right. There are certain programs that simply don't have the financial support to compete with A&M and never will. So what do, you, what do you do? Do you just settle? I mean, are coaches going to have jobs longer at these places because the fans are going to be more understanding? Hey, it's okay. We know you've gone 6-6 six and six for five straight years, but A&M and Alabama and LSU and Ohio State spend more money so you can win at that level well, and you're fine. it's like old school those, baseball. Those expectations aren't going to adjust from the fan bases. It's like old, not at all. It's like old school baseball. It's like Steinbrenner Yankees. You've got the money advantage. So what kind of other advantage are you going to find? Well, the, the whole argument around college sports in general, because I, and I love college sports, love college football. I hate the direction it's going in right now for this reason. The old opinion that's outdated was it's pure. I love this sport because it's pure. The athletes are there for their schools. Nonsense. They're there for their education. It's pure. Well, now that's nonsense. That narrative has gone out, right? Okay, now let's at least give them money that they would make any, way, any other way on their own name, image, and likeness. Fine. We do that, and then now it's got, got completely out of control. Now this brings me to this point. They should just pay the players from the university. Forget about NIL. Give them a salary cap. Give the five major conferences each a salary cap. Do with it what you want. If you want to give, if you get $18 million a year to pay an entire roster, and when you want to give $2 million to the star quarterback, go ahead. That is your coach and your GM. Every team could have a GM. That's your GM Distribute decision. it as you see fit. The sad and then thing outsmart is, me with that. That is the purest way to do it because every major college coach like now, it. what are they talking about with the NFL? The NFL is pure. Lane Kiffin, it's a salary cap. It's pure. Yeah, but it's Can cl- you imagine the, 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 the past where college football would be saying that? There's a huge difference. The Supreme Court's not looking at the NFL and ruling against them because it's collectively bargained. So you need a college football union that's going to be represented and collectively bargain whatever they're going to come up with. And it's and the impossible NCAA to do with the shuffling through. Without that, because, again, they're, they know they're going to lose based on the Supreme Court ruling and why we had July 1st last year. And that's impossible to do with three-year players shuffling Well, there's through. also protection about college institutions and what they can do with well, that. That too. With students. Um, so, again, if... It's either going to be completely unfair moving forward, which it is right now, and that's going to continue to be the, the and norm. And we're just seeing the beginning of it. Yeah, it's, it's going to get worse and worse and worse for certain schools and better and better and better for other schools. That's going to happen. Or colleges and college football is just going to have to make a deal with the devil, something they never thought they were going to do, and come up with a way to pay people to come play for their school and give them the option if they want to go to school or not. They can be paid employees just like professors, and they can unionize just like professors or workers at, a, at an institution. And hey, if you want to go to class and get your education, it's here. You can take classes, or you can be a full-time athlete and not a student athlete and give them a salary cap. That's the only way to make it fair. And then you're going to cut out a bunch of programs because there's only so many who could afford to do that. So you're probably going to take about 40 to 50 programs, put them in, in a salary cap era, let them go pay whatever they want. If those students want to go, pl- go to school, fine. But I, this is one area I do not think that it's, it's, they're being disingenuous. College coaches are looking for ways out because they see the writing on the wall. And there are some, maybe I'm sounding all altruistic when I say this, but they are in it. 
because they like the college atmosphere. They like being on a campus. They like the kids have to go to class. They like to teach. They like to teach. They like the big business part of it, too. They like 100,000 fans on Saturdays watching games. They like all that. But now they're looking at it and saying, man, the NFL is pretty pure the way they do it. Every team has the same fighting chance. And I kind of like that. Because ultimately, what do coaches want to do? They want to teach. They want to coach good players. And they want to have a chance to win with good players. There's going to be a bunch of programs saying, we can no longer get good players. At least not to the level of these other programs paying millions in NIL. Well, and this goes to the, the overall discussion as well for the expanded college football playoff. There's a hesitancy from a lot of these programs, even at the top, to buy into what ESPN and the SEC are completely behind. Because if you start looking where we're headed with Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference, uh, Georgia's now in the mix. Georgia was not in the mix uh, prior. I mentioned 98 through 2013. Um, there was a different mix of teams then than what there are now. Michigan is going to lose Jim Harbaugh, so they're dropping out. They were just in the college football playoff. At least that's my – I'm assuming that. Seems like it. Um, Ohio State's going to be there. Clemson just went through the roughest patch we've seen in years over the last 12 months. How are they going to rebound? There are a lot of unknowns there. And you start to look up and you see what Texas A&M is doing. Texas A&M is going to join the group. And the question next is, where are we headed once Texas and Oklahoma join the conference? Not the group, but the conference. And start to plow forward. How many more? Because I, I still say the SEC's not done expanding. How many more teams are they going to add? And then ultimately, it is the haves and the have-nots, even within the conference, which Kiffin is now you know, discussing. You know, if Ole Miss is discussing how they don't, they're among the have-nots, and they're an SEC program getting that part of the pie each and every year that the SEC is a part of, then the other conferences don't stand a chance. And keep in mind, Ole Miss is not that far removed from having the number one recruiting class in the country with Hugh Freeze and getting popped by the NCAA because of that. So when the rule Robert when, when it was outward, when yeah. NIL didn't exist, DK Metcalf. they could play below the line right. and compete with Alabama and LSU and everyone else and get top players. And now that it's not, you have Lane Kiffin, who's been in trouble with the NCAA before, saying, we can't compete. We're getting outspent five to ten, ten times by and these I, other programs. I, I don't think it's headed in the right direction. Um, but I, I, The NCAA allowed this to get to this point because they refused to budge on any name-image-likeness protocol or so uh, coming up with a system in place to allow it but police it. And they just they wiped their hands clean of it and said, uh, conferences and individual universities, you handle it. At least you and can't ultimately, cheat Ultimately, it's not going to be on the NCAA. It will be on the conferences, and we will see, you know, the, the SEC will be leading the charge on this. Well, they will come up with their own guidelines if, in fact, things are going to be regulated in any way. To continue to forecast the future, the SEC just needs to become college football. They not only take, take the lead – it takes one press when, conference to when do it. When people start coming into the conference and you get a couple Big Ten teams that bolt for the SEC, just say, hey, it, it's surrender time. We are college football. We're going to set the Chad. standard. We're going to allow teams from other parts of the country to join the SEC. But we're now becoming major college football, and it's more of an NFL model. And the SEC is most equipped to do that. Can you imagine if – By so, far. So the Pac-12, they're on board with the college football playoff expansion. So I'm using them as an ally. And the SEC really doesn't need them. They have ESPN. That's the biggest ally you can have right now because they own the bowls. They own all distribution of the bowls. Um, 
Imagine if we had Greg Sankey at a podium, major press conference, and he just said, you know what? There needs to be regulation in this, and we're going to do it. We're, we're taking charge because the NCAA is doing nothing, and here is our committee that we're forming to regulate name image likeness in a way that see, that is more fair than where we are right now or where we're headed. Because I don't think I, I it could be it. an even playing field, but I think in one press conference, Greg Sankey runs the NCAA. One. I love it. And it's probably going to take Greg Sankey and the SEC saying, enough is enough. This is how we're going to regulate it. It's a common sense approach. We're going to have people we're going to hire to help investigate and regulate what's going on. We're going to have institutions and programs be a lot more forthcoming from a tax standpoint, from an approved, just like you have approved agents, mm-hmm. an approved NIL sponsor list that's going to be attached to each university. You have to file for it. You have to be investigated to do it. You get everything on the up and up that way. If the SEC does it, maybe they pave the way and show the way for the rest of college football. I like that idea. Hutton. It's one press conference and they control the, they become college football. Yep. I mean, they already are. Yep. But you still, and that, I'm not sliding Ohio State, Clemson, you know, I go around the country here. But as a group, the only group that is running things right now is the Southeastern Conference. There are big programs that run the other conferences, but the group as a whole, Sankey's running it. He's, he's the figurehead of college football right now and college sports. Yep. You turn to him first and then you follow suit or you just don't trust them. Because of what's going on with, uh, with the SEC and uh, expansion. Coming up, we, we discuss Harbaugh. The assumption is he's taking the Vikings job today. We haven't seen that official, but he's interviewing with the Vikings on National Signing Day. That's next on Outkick 360. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Armando Salguero and Trey Wallace will join us tomorrow, as well as Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist and Cincinnati Bengals great Willie Anderson on the show. Fun visit with him last time. He'll talk football with us and his Bengals making it to Super Bowl uh, 56 coming up next Sunday. Um, So is Jim Harbaugh getting the the Vikings gig? It's all but official, it seems, where the interview takes place on... February 2nd, National Signing Day, which it, it sounds as though the interview setup is a bit out of his control with how Minnesota has handled the interview situations. It was one of these, it sounds like, where you're, you're next in line to interview and we want to have you in. When they chatted on Saturday, it was, it's Wednesday. And to his credit, according to those who cover Michigan, he's been telling uh, recruits, in, including five-star um, players and their parents, he's leaning towards going to the NFL if the right fit is there. So I, I, is that fit with the Vikings? The, the roster's set up well for him uh, compared to some of the other situations going on. I, I admire the honesty with the recruits and their families, absolutely. 
I also think it's a very difficult spot you put your employer in when you're paid to be the head coach of a major program like Michigan and you're telling recruits, yeah, I'm, I'm not really that into it. I, I may not be here. Uh, if I get an NFL opportunity, I'm gone. I saw where a four-star receiver flipped today from Michigan to Nebraska, for example, that was committed to, to Michigan. And you're going to see more of that if he takes this job. Here's the quote from the parent, Deion Johnson, about his son, Will. He told William he was definitely looking, and if an opportunity came up, he was probably going to take it. This is through the Detroit News. Harbaugh told him he felt the team was going to be good at Michigan. And I've got a pop-up. Here we go. Uh, they're going to win a lot of ball games. They're going to do a lot of good things. But he wants to chase a Super Bowl. That's one of the things on his list is to be a Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, how big is national? Not, not that this isn't big. Obviously, the whole thing's big in terms of what it does to Michigan. But is National Signing Day what it, it, it isn't what it once was in terms of no, but what it, percentage of your guys? Well, the are early signing day is the big one now. This is kind of the the uh, the people who are left the, the recruits who are left over from the first those who didn't enroll in the spring. Primarily. Yeah, it's awkward, though. I mean, there's no getting yeah, around Yeah, I mean, that. but the National Signing Day is the day where you're forming your future. Like, it, everything comes together. You're, the, you're finalizing your signing class today, regardless of how many committed to you already or signed with you already. Well, and, and what is Michigan supposed to do? They don't want to fire the guy after last season. They can't just tell him, well, just go go now. Decide already. Because even if, if he doesn't get the job, you still want to be the Michigan coach, and he probably does, well, have too. You, have you heard the, the rumor about who they're after if um, – if he goes, I've seen Matt Campbell's name, Matt Rule. Yeah, that, that's another one on the list. Would make a lot of sense, and it would be Matt Rule getting out while the getting's good. Yeah, shoot, one year ahead of getting fired, maybe mid-season firing next year. Who's the that OC now at Michigan? So are they paying him more? Josh than Gaddis. Uh, is another guy who's going to have a chance. I wonder if he's got a shot at it. Yeah, he does. He will. What do you do if you rule there with seven? I mean. They have to let you go, obviously. Tepper's got to let you go. You're due $7 million, uh, at least $7 million this season. And you were signed longer. You were signed six or seven years. So you're I going into year three or four? Yeah, he sees, uh, he sees light at the tunnel. Coaching the movement is not over. Tunnel. Coaching movement's not over. We'll still have plenty to get into with that. Yeah, Trey Wallace joins us tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Armando Salguero with us and all the headlines throughout. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360 daily, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central here on the Outkick Network. Don't you dare block the box, but please, please lock your lock.